Hey, my friend, welcome to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. My name is Lori Seitz. I'm an entrepreneur, mentor, founder of Zen Rabbit, and your instigator in saying, fuck being fine. This show is for those of you who are done living with the dumpster fire and are ready to find the tools and courage to transform, to step into more success and fulfillment in both your personal and business life. You're in the right place for stories of self-discovery, gratitude, and connection. And to help you strengthen that connection to your own inner guidance, you'll find each episode has an accompanying meditation. Now let's get into it. I'm not sure today's guest needs a hype song to get her charged up. Energized is seemingly Karen Azer's natural state, as you will hear. A big part of Karen's story is about turning trauma into triumph. It's pretty cool to hear a revelation she gets in real time as we're talking about a past incident. I love when this happens on the show. Karen's also sharing her journey through several serious health conditions that she's managed through alternative modalities. There's a big focus on a favorite topic of gratitude in this one too, and how to use it as well as some other techniques to make yourself instantly feel better and raise your vibration. Plus, how to then multiply blessings and send their positive energy out into the world. A passionate financial literacy advocate, Karen bridges the skills gap between financial advisors and their female clients and prospects. She's also a dream igniter who uses dance to help people wake up their inner passions so they can overcome their mind blocks and step into financial freedom. Today's episode is sponsored by Zen Rabbit. If you'd like to find peace of mind amidst the chaos and no matter what's going on around you, get on a complimentary call with me. In less than 30 minutes, you'll get insight on any issue you'd like to bring to the table. And you'll leave the conversation with clarity and renewed energy. Find the booking link in the show notes or text me at 571-317-1463. Welcome to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. My guest today is Karen Azer. Welcome to the show, Karen. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I love your show and I'm so privileged that you've asked me to be a guest on it. Wow, that's a very enthusiastic welcome. I love it. This is this is the precursor to what I know is coming next is, as exactly. far as this I conversation. Love energy, girl. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And then, right, you got the energy because you were already listening to your hype song, which we'll get to at the end. But It's playing in my head the whole time. It's all my background music. <laughs> Very nice. Jumping right in. What's, what's the, what were the values and beliefs that you were raised with that, contributed to making you who you became as a young adult? Oh my God, what a perfectly phrased question. Wow, I was just talking about that this weekend. I was actually originally gonna approach this a different way, but I'm gonna take this another way. So, because one of the things is my son was coming up with the issue. He's really, really mad at his brother. And he's like, mom, I can't stand this, what should I do? And I said, you know what? I'm gonna tell you about blaming people effectively. And one of the things you do when you blame effectively is you think about how somebody pissed you off so much where they brought you to their knees that it really made you dig deep into who you are and and what makes you tick. And then you get to thank them. Thank you so much for being such a jerk 
that you, that, that now I know who I am because I wasn't dependent on your opinion anymore. I had to go into myself. I wasn't dependent on it anymore. So all that's to say is I was, I had a lot of things to blame effectively growing up. <laughs> and that okay. is, yeah, yeah. So that's why it's kind of a backdoor question an- answer to your question. But the thing is that there was a lot of negativity in my house, you know, and one of the things I've been talking about a lot is because what I, what I do in my business is I really help people overcome their money blocks and think about, you know, where did I get these money messages or where did I give up my dreams or, or all of that. So one of the things I do is I think go back to what were the things that you heard as a child that aren't serving you well? Like, for example, for me is my father is somebody who didn't use money wisely. In fact, he used it to hurt and use people. So I made a vow as a, as a young girl to say, if that's what bringing money into my life looks like, I never want to hang on to it. So here I am, 25 years in the business, you know, rising, you know, I even crashed through the glass ceiling. It was an amazing career. I couldn't save my money to save my life. I, I, and it wasn't until I left the industry and started to explore what mattered to me and what was important to me is then I realized that's where the origin of it was. Mm-hmm. And so, and so there are lots of these messages that I grew up with, you know, one of the things girls can't do math. So what do I do? I have a financial literacy company. There are all these things that, that for years I I hated on my dad, just to, you know, call it for what it is. I was angry at him. I was like, how dare this? You know, I see all my friends, daddy's little girl, all that other stuff. I didn't, that, that wasn't my story. But what's happened is I've been able to re to, to, to reframe that energy and to turn it in, you know, cause one of my catchphrases is turning trauma into triumph. And so that's what I like to do with it is that I try to every message that I get that comes into my consciousness, because one of the things I started to do too, is that I don't, I don't force what truth needs to come into my path at that moment, because that's a lot of times when, if you're not ready for a truth, it could actually do you more harm sometimes. And so that's one of the ways I've, I've really been able to honor saying, okay, God, what truth do I need today? And what am I going to do about that? Well, cause I wonder if, if something, if you're not ready for it, does it actually show up or do you won't even recognize it if you're not ready for it? Well, what happens is you'll get angry with it if it does come. You know, and so sometimes what happens is, you know, a, a really good thing that has been, I've been, is kind of a pattern that I've been noticing, you know, because a lot of times I was angry that a door, sh- you know, closed in my face. I'm like, those were my people, I thought, you know, and you get the whole mean girl, mm-hmm. you know, thing, right? And and it's like, what's, what's this going on? What's this all about? Then I realized like, oh my God, I was saved from something I wasn't ready for or a group that wasn't my right people. I am so grateful for that. And so... You know, and so that's when I stopped chasing truth because the truth, because what happens is you have your idea what truth should be. So, you know, our, we're designed, you know, us, us as humans, the way our brains are designed is to say, okay, brain, go look for this. Just like if you're looking for assholes, you're going to find assholes, right? Mm-hmm. Our brain right, right. What you focus on, you exactly. will find more of. It, 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 exactly. And so, um, you know, so when you're focusing on, I, I've decided what truth I'm trying to justify, that's what gets us in trouble because then we fall into this, what I call it, expectations gap. Because I had this truth. This is what it should look like. I fall in a hole. Now I hate that person who is the messenger. Yeah, I want to I wanna 
get some clarification here because I'm always talking about using meditation, for example, or whatever tool you choose to use to get quiet enough to hear your own inner truth. Now that inner truth, which is your intuition is different. I, I feel like it's different than what you're talking about as this is what I believe to be my truth, but it's an expectation that you've created. It may not be your deep inner voice truth. There's a differentiation there. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And and thinking a little bit more about that is um, part of it is because, you know, we're created for community. We're created for to have other people in our lives. They, They have a truth that needs to come to us often. Or we see somebody's experience and we see ourselves in that that then reveals a truth that we're ready to see. But when you're chasing a truth, you know, and it often comes from hurt, you know, is you're trying to justify while you're hurt, you know, go through all your angry feelings. And we spend so much time trying to chase a, a truth. I say in air quotes, you know, a truth to justify that. And then we will find it versus it's like, what truth do I need today? And who is going to intersect with me with the truth I need today? Yeah. So I feel like your definition of truth or your use of the word truth here is more, uh, you know, and and you're right. And I actually, you know, this is great because you're actually pointing out because I actually mean it in two ways, even though I'm using it in a singular way. It's kind of like this, you know, you and you, is it singular or plural? Because we do, we all have our inner truth. Who are we? Who are we created to be? All that other stuff. But if we only have that in a vacuum, it stays there. Well, that's the truth that never changes. Who you are at your core is a truth that doesn't change. But We're talking about your conscious level though, right? It's you have your truth inside, but it's how it gets processed in your conscious self, right? It's like your justification. Maybe that's more your ego speaking because you're looking for a justification of what you believe you want to bring into your world or what you believe you deserve to have or the way you see things going. Yeah. It's like, hey, this was the path I thought I was supposed to be on. Right. Exactly. And so, and and so you have all these barriers, you know, I'm, you know, I'm kind of like looking at my heart and thinking of my head when my conscious is my head and my heart is my inner truth. We have all these mm -hmm. barriers between, you know, they say the, you know, the distance from our head to our heart is the longest 18, you know, the longest distance in the world. Yeah. Yeah, actually. And I've been working with a coach on energy healing and, and chakras and stuff. And she, I was just looking over some notes the other day. And she was saying how the percent, I can't remember now, it was like 72% or something, a lot, um, of the messages that come to you never make it from your heart it's to your head. It's actually 82. They only, 82. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, it's true. And so that's, that's why I've spent a lot of, you know, I, I had a lot of trauma um, that happened, you know, that, you know, I was in a traumatic car accident in 2014. And that was kind of like my aha moment where it's like, it's almost, I actually seen as I'm speaking to you, like, it's, it's like this truth bomb started shaking in my heart when I happened. Cause there was a piece of me that knew that I needed to sit still, but all these barriers that I put up kept me from that truth. So it's like, I knew there was a truth in there that, that was just dying to come out. But I had, I was, you know, I was living out of my intellect. Right. Right. And so the world was defined by my intellect. So that was a safe place to live. Which a lot of people's are because we as humans think that our intellect is what is the reality. 
And so we spend all this time doing all the things that our head tells us to do to change our outer world when in reality, real reality, the only way to change what's happening in your outer world is to change the inner world, the, to reach into your heart and to live from there. As you believe, so it is. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, so you started talking about the car accident. Is that, since the show is called Fine is a four-letter word, is that where you were like, yeah, everything's fine in my world and up until that point? Like, give me the, give me the story, the quick story between you know, you grew up with these beliefs and then the car accident, that was like a big span in there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Where, where was everything fine? <laughs> Every, everything was fine. And in fact, you know, it's really interesting that that was my catchphrase actually. And, and I, and I actually, you know, it's, it's, it, wow. I just thought of a huge emotional moment right now that just really, it, it like planted a seed for the car accident. As I think about it, I was I was I was in a terrible marriage and I was working in London in the time and he would come in for the weekend, long weekends. We were doing a long distance marriage. I was in Bo he was in Boston and I was in London. And um wow. Whew, we're catching us something real time here. So um so yeah, so he was so once a month I would drop him off at the at the at the tube at the train station to send him off to Gatwick Airport and I literally, I, I, I'm not kidding you. I literally put my hand over my face like I was pulling down a mask. Mm. And I say, okay, game on, I'm fine. And everybody asked me, how am I? I actually gave it the car accident, but that's when, that's when it, there was a piece in my consciousness about that I was doing something actively. But at that time, I didn't have the strength to do much about it. So I just, you know, I lived in that mask world. Mm -hmm. And then I got in this car accident and I didn't, the thing of what I'm realizing, oh, wow, what I'm realizing right now, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, so I'm a flower, so I'm flowing now. So this um, is awesome. Yeah. So what happened is I realized I literally did not have the strength to pull down the mask. That's what it was. I literally, because it got my spine, I was laying there in the car and I actually said, God, apparently you want me to sit still. That was my first response. Mm. I got the memo. And in that moment, I wasn't angry. I was actually grateful. So I'm like this, because there's no other way I would have gotten there. Mm -hmm. And I got there and it got my attention. So I had made a decision at that point that I wasn't going to let this destroy me. I was going to use this to grow me. So I was on my back for 12 weeks. Mm, wow. And I gave me a lot of times where, you know, and, and I would never let anybody help me ever because I had been self-protecting. And I was forced to learn how to receive. Yeah. Because I didn't know how to receive. I had to be in control. You know, I, I grew up a lot, you know, I was a lifelong anorexic up until that point. So that actually, you know, can that's about control, you right. know, living in your head. Anorexia is all about living in your head to protect yourself. I didn't have the strength to, to fall into any of my vices. After the car accident. After the car accident. What? Yeah. I was, too, you know, I... People were, you know, the food was coming in. I couldn't pull down the mask. I couldn't, I couldn't push people away because even if I wanted to, I literally had no mm, strength. Yeah. So uh, the mask was pulled down after you dropped him off so that you showed that to the rest of the world or that's what you showed to him? No, to him, it's, it's, it's really actually interesting to him. He was somebody who, you know, basically didn't, 
hear me, see me, understand me. So in my mind, I was invisible mm -hmm. when he was around. Okay. But I was, I mean, I had an incredibly powerful job, one of the biggest banks in Switzerland. I actually was managing their most profitable product. Yet on the weekend, it was every six weeks, every six weeks, I felt invisible for four days. Okay. And then when it's like consciousness, I was like, I want to be seen. It's like, this is the mask I want them to see. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and so when I was laying there in the, the car accident is, you know, it was like, I didn't have the strength to even like consciously think of being invisible or anything. It just was actually, you know, wow. Putting it into words that a lot of people understand. It's almost like I was forced into presence. Mm -hmm. I had to be present in that moment because I didn't have the energy to fantasize future or live in the past. I was forced to be in the moment. Interesting how that, how that, yeah, how those circumstances show up when you most need them. Absolutely. It's absolutely. And so that's why, how, how can I get angry at that? It was a gift. Well, although on paper, it looked like it sucked. Right. Because you have, have, <clears throat> practiced or somehow grasped the concept of becoming naturally grateful. Yeah. So of course you saw the gratitude in that moment, but that's not, that doesn't come naturally to everyone. And I'm willing to bet it didn't come naturally to you throughout your whole life. You learned it somewhere along the way. Well, not, not only did I not have that naturally, my, my MO, and of course I was an analyst, financial analyst. What do you do? You're trained to look for problems. Mm -hmm. By I was in a profession that trained me to live in my vice. And so I was able to look at the opposite of blessing everywhere I went. And I found it everywhere I went. <laughs> so what was it that that got you to the point where you were able to see gratitude? Because when the accident, it was it must have been before the accident, right? Because you're saying when you were in the accident, you immediately went to gratitude. Well, you know, it's really interesting because I, I've always attributed it to that moment, but you're right because there was a seed there that was being watered basically then. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what, what you're suggesting, which it probably was. You know, I don't, at that point, I wasn't around a lot of people like that, but I've, I've, I've got this, you know, thing in me. Like, it's like, I've got an extra special ability to find gratitude. And in fact, you know, a lot of my friends call me a blessing finder. So mm -hmm. it's like, give me the worst situation and I will find a blessing in it. Uh, you yeah, know, did you, we have that did in you common for sure. Yeah, you know, did you see Born Identity? No. Oh my gosh, you have to see it, especially after I tell you this. But basically what he does is um, literally he can go anywhere and he can just like, you know, go and, and look, look at, he's basically an assassin is what he is. Um, but what he can do in order to be a really good assassin, you have to be able to not be distracted by anything around, be laser focused. And so you could be in a crowd of a million people, but you see your target and that's all you see. Mm -hmm. And so and so it's like when I look at things, it it's with that ability, but I look for blessings. Yeah. And and it comes so naturally to me. I literally can't help myself. I mean, it's like, you know, some people kind of have like the OCD. I need to clean my house. or I need to do that. I do that with finding blessings. I don't even know I do it. I'm just doing it on the fly. It's just part of who I am now. I completely understand that because I do the same thing. 
And I didn't used to, but now I have the ability, like my friends call it, I forget what, I was talking to one of them a couple of years ago and she had, they had, she was with another friend of hers, somebody I don't know, and they had car issues. It wasn't an accident, but they had car issues yeah. as they were driving and they were all angry because they had to stop at the service center. And she kind of channeled me, she told me, she was channeling me trying to find the gratitude for this situation because, right, this is what I do. This is what I talk about all the time. I'm always saying to on social media or wherever, hey, if you can't find the gratitude for whatever situation you're looking at right now, set up, set up a call with me because I will find it for you. And it's fun. It's joy. I mean, it it, is. It, it, I have, it's, it, it's a game. It's so much fun. And, you know, and the other big things I've learned, and this is a, you know, a reason why I don't carry any anger or anything about, you know, the, the people who have come in my path, path in the past is because as humans, we learn by point of contrast. Mm-hmm. And we are experiential people and we watch case studies we observe. So it's in order to understand this blessing that I had, I was in such a, it, it, it's almost like equidistant, right? Whatever you become deep in, most people experience the opposite of it, which is why, you know, you, you have somebody who has died of, you know, uh, you know, cancer or, or, you know, a kid with drug addiction or something. They be, people become, that becomes their mission in trying to help that. But it's because, you know, if somebody who hasn't dealt with drugs tries to help you with drug addiction, People won't hear from him because it's like, until you walked in my shoes, I can't hear you. You can't, because we, we all want to be feel, seen, heard, and understood. And so to have that power and to have that impact and the passion, it's it's part of how it's almost by design that we've had a point of contrast. And because what you find is that people have had the worst of the worst tend to be the most powerful in terms of the blessing, in terms of finance and stuff, because it was like that, like I said, I see it almost like I'm seeing like a rainbow as I'm speaking to, you know, it's like you had to be on one side of it so you could really appreciate the journey over that arc. Yeah. And this is the importance of sharing your story. Like so many people I've talked to too are embarrassed or don't feel like they are ready to share their story. They're afraid of being judged. And yet it's the sharing of that story that's going to help others. You know, when you really go with the impact is, you know, I was I was so happy because the same son who I had the conversation with um, just a couple days ago, he's like, mom, thank you so, 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 so much for sharing that story with me. He's like, thank you for, he's like, I'm so God, glad that God gave me you to be my guide to help me through this because he's 20 years old. And then he says to me that he's studying something that's going to be very, very lucrative and he has got a great business mind anyway. And so he says, one of the reasons I want to invest really well in all that is he says, because I want to, you know, I want to sow into other people. I want to serve the world. He's like, but mom, you know what? At the end of the day, if I have just made one person feel like their time on earth was worth it, he's like, everything else is a victory. And I said, Tim, you are a wise, wise boy, man. It's 20 years old to say that Mm -hmm. because when you think it's like, is that embarrassment, which will be over momentarily, if I could have impacted somebody's life because they they saw my story, their story and my story, it's worth it every day, mm-hmm. every, every day. Yeah, yeah. So after the car accident, life got all rosy and you saw the light? What happened? No, 
No, no, not exactly. No, I, I had quite a windy road. <laughs> you know, I know this is where I'm leading you. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. So what happened after that? So the car accident was in August. Then um, around uh, Christmas time, I started to feel better. What? And then come the middle of... Were you still in, in Were that? you still in London? Oh, no, no, no. I was back. I... I I, I subsequently moved. I'm in Greenville, South Carolina now. So okay, I'm, so you moved back when you was the car accident in the U.S. or was it over there? Oh yeah, yeah, no, no, no. That that yeah, the, the yeah, the the London was in the you know late 1990s. Oh okay, I was, so, I was a little confused. Yeah, I subsequently been stateside. Okay. Yeah, no, no, no problem. Yeah, I've been stateside. You know, since uh, year 2000. So so anyway, um, I got so around mid January. And, you know, and, and, you know, so my husband, I mentioned, we, you know, we're, we were in a terrible, terrible, terrible divorce. It was ugly, ugly, ugly. And that, that was part of this whole awakening for me as well. And so about mid-January, I was taking my oldest son to um, his dad's house, which was our marital home. I got lost. I didn't know where I was. I started to lose my memory and I had to get adult daycare and everything. They didn't know what was wrong with me. Oh and in gosh. fact... At one point, they just thought I was crazy. And part of the thing was I started to lose a ton of weight. And so they all thought I'd relapse into anorexia. And so nobody believed me that something was going on. And I eventually found out it was Lyme disease. Oh, wow. And, you know, and, you know, but what the Lyme disease had taught me is with Lyme disease is when you ever you have a flare, it can take you out for a day or it could take you out for months. And you often don't even have a warning. You just wake up. But again, it taught me to live in presence. And it's like, okay, because I don't know tomorrow if I'm going to be fine. And fortunately, you know, I'm in good shape and, you know, we're, we're beyond that. But during that time, had I not had that extreme experience, I wouldn't have had a chance to practice what I, you know, I had the car accident to experience it once. It's like I got to practice it uh -huh. with, with, with the Lyme. And then not long after that, I was diagnosed with third stage colon cancer. Oh my gosh. How much can one and, person, like, yeah. Well, how, yeah, how exactly. deep did you, you need know, to learn this gratitude lesson? Well, exactly. So uh, that's why I'm glad I, you know, I got this whole blessing finder thing. It's a much happier way to live. And so, you know, during that is, you know, it really came to terms like, am I afraid to die? It makes you come to terms with death. And how do I feel about that? And it's like, well, I'm going to either be, you know, be delivered, go to heaven. I'm good with either outcome. Mm -hmm. So whatever my purpose is. And so that, that, at that point was when I started to seek, what is my purpose? And so the two things kind of prepared me to like, it's like, wh what am I, who am I, you know? And and all, all the things up from profession to who I am as character, you know, all the, all aspects of it, you know, and, and I did a ton of, and I actually did the, um, cancer treatments alternatively. And so, um, so I was really into energy healing. I did, you know, all, it was all alternative modalities. And so I've never, you know, I never had chemo or radiation or anything. Wow. That's, and that's a, a, incredible. Yeah. And so one of the things that you have is you have to get infusion, a lot of infusions. And so you're getting vitamin C because, you know, cancer is just about our body being out of homeostasis. Mm -hmm. So something is out of balance and our bodies were created to communicate with us, you know, and and that's actually one of the reasons the doctor said I was crazy is when I was having issues with my liver. And I said, I can feel my liver. And they said, you don't have nerves in your liver. And I said, well, I don't care what you say. I can feel my liver. 
And because I'm really in tune, I can feel, you know, I can even feel, if I think about it, I can feel my blood flowing. And so that's part part of the stuff. And so that's also one of the things my body has been used as a way to communicate and talk to other people. And so what happened is I, getting, I was getting all those infusions and I was at an infusion center for three years. And when it first started, I was doing it five days a week, then it was four days. And this went on for about five years. And what happened was during that time, I was able to share the story that I'm sharing with you over and over. And so there'd be people, you know, cause you, they had, you know, about five to eight chairs, depending on which center I was at. And there were people who three years later came up and had the courage to ask me a question. Cause they're like, I've heard your story, but I've been quiet over here, but I have a question for you. And it just, and it's like, well, if all these people got this healing from my story, how can I say this was a bad thing? Right, right. And and another point to what you just said is that you never know who's listening. Even if they're quiet, right. they're lurking, they're still listening. Exactly. And they're learning. So do I want to do do when somebody when they're watching me, do I want to teach them bitterness or do I want to teach them gratitude? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what, and what I know is because when you live in gratitude, as you know, as, as, a, as a student of gratitude, you literally light up. You light a room up. People see that light. It is an energetic vibration that you cannot not have. When you are in gratitude, you are in the highest vibration. That's just, that's science. And then people want to be around that. Of course. Even because- if they can't put their, their finger on it, they're like, so people are like, I want what you have. Tell me about it. You know, it's like, I can't even put my finger, you know, when I start talking, you know, a lot of times they get on an idea, but they're just like, that energy feels really good to me. And I want to be around that. Exactly. It's the feel. They don't know necessarily why they feel good around you. It's it's because you're at that, you're vibrating at that higher level, but they don't necessarily know that. They just know that they feel good when they are around you and that when you, So to the point of when you are in gratitude, whether you're around somebody who's grateful like we are, or you Mm -hmm. are exuding it yourself, expressing it yourself, you will feel good. So like for no other reason to practice gratitude, it just makes you feel good. You know, and that, I mean, something that I do just is kind of, I don't sport could almost say it is. (laughs) Like I'll go walk down the street and just smile and just walk down in gratitude. And it's just like, I don't know. And and also being comfortable with, I don't need to have affirmations that I made somebody feel good that day. Mm-hmm. That was another one. It's like, I'm going to trust who needed to receive my smile today was the one who was intended to receive my smile today. Mm-hmm. And if that other person wants to be grumpy and fine, that's so be it. It's not, and I, I, I don't need that return to, of affirmations. You know, it's nice because you get them and it's, you know, who doesn't like to have confirmations once in a while, but it's just fun to know that just being present is going to do it and trust that it gets gets to the right right person that day. Yeah. Are there practices that you implement every day aside from walking down the street and smiling? Yeah. Do you have like a morning routine or an evening routine? What's what's that that helps you stay in that high vibration? Yeah, well, I'm a licensed minister of dance. And so that's my prayer language. And so that's what I do every day. Um, I dance anywhere from well every morning i dance for about two hours and sometimes i tend not to dance so much at night although in my mind 
And it's, and a lot, what I tell people, and I do this a lot when I do my challenges, is I incorporate movement into everything because when we're moving, it's, you can't be depressed when you're moving just by moving your arms. And every one of us has, um, a, our, our movements are as unique as our thumbprint. And when you get to know your body, you start being, you know, you, you really start to get to know yourself a little bit more. And you can actually, you know how you do word associations? You're mm-hmm. like, you know, say something, clap and do it. You can do that with movement and you can learn about yourself. Because I'm somebody who's a sprinter. I love to go. All, and I actually went to college on a, on a on a track scholarship. I found out after doing this exercise, all my moves come out to sprinting moves. They're all sprinting muscles that designed who I am. Interesting. And so, you know. And so what I do, and so often what I do is, you know, it's so just me, it's like, you know, just kind of me and God when I dance, but I'm open to whatever the day has for me. And it's like, God realign me to where I need to be today. And then I look over my schedule for the day and I, that's how I dance. And I pray over, like I dance and prayed over you this morning because it's like, whoever I come into contact today, I want to bless them and may whatever they need today comes their way. Mm. And, and so that way I know, and and sometimes I will just feel like I need, sometimes I'll call them and say, I really want to let you know. And a hundred percent of the time I've responded to that, you know, internal, let them know 100% of the time they needed it. And there were actually two people who were suicidal who were like, thank you. You literally saved my life today. Mm, yeah. And that's part of, I don't care. They're like, even if, you know, dancing isn't my thing, I don't care. But you know what? One day you're going to, you know, you'll know that somebody cared enough to call in. Actually, I took time out of my day to dance for you. Yeah. And so, so it's so centering. I love that. I have a friend, Leanne, who started at the beginning of the year, she created a calendar. And so every day of the month, she has a different person she prays for. Uh Uh-huh. My day is the 17th of the month. So on the 16th, she's typically messaging me, texting me saying, okay, tomorrow's your day. What do you want me to pray for you about yeah. And I love that whole idea. It does. And it's like, you know, because I want to be a multiplier. So it's like if I can dance for them and then each one of them, because I really believe when I bless you, you're going to carry that blessing to bless somebody else. Absolutely. And so, again, that smile could create a hundred or a thousand smiles just by that one smile. And for me, I know, you know, dance has movement. You're creating energy. It flows. It puts things out in the atmosphere. And I just know I have faith. It's going to get to who it needs to go to. And whatever I need to know in my consciousness will come into my consciousness. Otherwise I'll let the spiritual world do what the spiritual world does. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's like the butterfly effect. Exactly. Exactly. Oh my gosh. I have so enjoyed talking to you. The energy of this conversation is through the roof. I love it. So now the question, of course, is what's what's your go-to song for dance that gets you hyped up? I mean, you're high energy to start with. Yeah, well, because you start your day with dance. So what's your what's your go-to song? My go-to song that hyped up and it has been since I was young is Gonna Fly Now. And one of the cool things about it is my mom calls me her firefly. And cause she's like, you're always, you know, you're always on the go. You're curious. You want to go. And so even my song is about flying. I love it. If someone wants to continue the conversation with you about anything we talked about today, how do they best reach you? The best way to reach me is on LinkedIn. And, um, and so Karen Azer, O-E-S-E-R, and I'm the dream igniter. 
is what I, I actually call myself on LinkedIn. And my email is uh, Karen at finliteracyforher.com. That's like financial, finliteracyforher.com. And I am more than happy to talk to you and uh, reach out in any way. And also uh, one thing is I've written a book called Mind of Gold, A Girlfriend's Guide to Financial Freedom. And it's on Amazon. And it's a lot of it is about finding your purpose because when you find your purpose, your finances will line up with you versus the other way around, which most people do. Very cool. I will put links to all of that in the show notes so people can easily find Excellent. you and find your song if they want to listen to that too. Thank you so much Absolutely. for joining awesome. me today on Fine is a Four-Letter Word, Karen. Thank you for having me. It's been great. Was that some crazy charged up energy or what? Karen knows how to bring it. Here are the key takeaways. Number one, one of Karen's catchphrases is turning trauma into triumph, which means challenging or transforming whatever you think is impossible. Recognize what beliefs and lessons from your childhood aren't benefiting you. Then let them go or work toward proving them wrong. Number two, stop chasing your idea of truth. Setting unsuitable expectations based on what you believe you deserve can be a barrier to growth. If you're looking for a justification rather than a result, for example, that's what you'll end up bringing into our world. Let go of the fixed path you thought you were supposed to be on and instead allow yourself to be open to any opportunity that comes forth as life unfolds. Number three, you can train yourself to become naturally grateful. If you've ever seen me speak on a stage in a workshop or been in one of my programs, you know I talk about this. As a financial analyst, Karen was trained to focus on finding problems. So she ended up seeing problems wherever she looked. However, in her personal life, she decided to adapt this ability to start looking for blessings instead of problems. Eventually, this practice became second nature to her. And today, she finds herself noticing blessings even in the most unexpected places. You will always find what you're looking for. Number four, make a habit out of contacting people you care about just to let them know you appreciate having them in your life. Expressing appreciation fills both parties with optimistic emotions. And you never know who could really use those words of encouragement in that moment. Reach out today to someone who's crossed your mind recently. Number five, practice gratitude without expecting anything in return. That way, if you're putting out positive energy into the world and someone rejects it or doesn't acknowledge your effort, it won't matter because you didn't need them to in the first place. When that's who you are, you will spread joy to whomever is open to receiving it. Just living in gratitude positively impacts your life and the lives of those around you. Thanks for being here and subscribing to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. Please share this show with a friend or a colleague. If you're feeling especially generous, leave a review so other people like you can discover the show too. It's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, and all the major podcast directories. You can join me on social too. On Instagram, it's zen underscore rabbit. You can find links to the other platforms at zenrabbit.com. 
Before you go, remember to take a moment to think about what you're grateful for today. Lastly, you can find this week's meditation queued up right after this episode. And if no one's told you this week, I'm proud of you. Take good care.